0: Well, let's, um, let's get our Bibles out, turn to the Song of Songs. Some, some of you have Song of Solomon. We're gonna be, every year we, we tackle this. Every, every uh, month of February, we talk about relationships, we talk about uh, marriage, we talk about single people, we talk about all of it, okay? And, and uh, when, I was, when I was thinking about and praying about what to really tackle um, for this year, <sighs> I just, I just really felt like I needed to tackle some really tough subjects about marriage, relationships, and yes, that three beloved word, S-E-X. For those of you who need that understanding, that's sex, okay? <laughs> and so we've never been a church to shy away from, from, from tough topics, tough conversations in the Bible. Um, we think that the Bible has every answer for everyday life for our living, amen? Who would agree with that? Right? The, the Bible has every answer. So, we're going to go into and unpack the Song of Songs for the next several weeks, for the next four weeks to be exact. Okay, and then we'll get right back into preaching Jesus. I mean, we're going to preach Jesus anyway, but uh, just get right back into it. So, so, single marriage searching, all of us have questions about these three topics God, love, and, like, no, no one wants to say this word. I'm going to ask you to say it. You're going to go and say it. <laughs> But before we get there, I wanna unpack some myths and lies about dating. I'm so glad that I don't have to date anymore. I was the worst at it. I really was, I was really bad. Just ask Kristen, I was really bad. I I was not good at, at dating. I mean, I thought I was good at it, but then quickly found out that I'm not good at it. But you know, back in my day, which sounds like forever ago, but 1998 wasn't that long ago. Um we, uh, we didn't have online dating. As a matter of fact, does anybody remember this, how people used to put ads in the paper if they were looking for someone? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is so gross. <laughs> that is, that's just so nasty and dirty. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just disgusting. So we're going to talk through a few myths and lies real quick about online dating and uh, maybe, you, maybe you have met somebody online, maybe um, I've known people that have met online. One of my good friends out in Indianapolis, he met a woman online and, and uh, they got married. And just, I, I've known people before that met online. And, uh, but there's a couple of myths and, and, and lies about this. So guys, we're gonna talk to guys and girls here. So if you ever see a woman who says she's 40-ish online, what she really means is that she's 48. <laughs> now ladies, if a guy says he's 40-ish, what that really means is that he's 52, and he's looking for a 25-year-old. Gross. No, not really. Ladies, if you come across a guy online who says, I'm emotionally stable, just the fact that he has to claim that he's emotionally stable is usually a red flag for you not to participate in that online date. Now guys, if you ever see a girl that says, I love good conversation, what that really means is that she just likes to talk and you to listen. That's what that usually means. Well, ladies, if you meet a guy online that says he's huggable, that's what I would put on my online profile. i put, put, mm, girl, I'm huggable. What that usually means is that he needs to lose about 40 pounds, and he's got more hair on his back than a grizzly bear. Guys, if you ever meet a girl online that says, I'm romantic, don't fall for that trap. That usually means, I can't wait for you to buy me everything. (laughs) I'm so romantic. Oh, what do you want? So let's dive in today. The title of my message is Faithful. Attraction. I got this title, my message from um, the movie <laughs> *Fatal Attraction*, which I would never advise anyone to watch. But we're gonna uh, just take a look at look at Solomon and the Shulamite woman throughout this whole next four weeks on, on dating and relationships. And we're gonna look at the lover and the beloved. We're gonna take a look at a married couple who looks back at the faithful qualities that attracted them to a godlike relationship. So let's start in verse. Number two, Song of Solomon. Song of Song says, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is better than wine. Now I want you guys to know I made Kristen memorize this verse in five different translations. Because Pastor Jake loves the smooches. No, that's not true. <laughs> so let's break down the four qualities of faithful attraction that we should apply to our everyday lives and our relationships, marriages, those kinds of things. So let's talk about what attracted this man and this woman together. First, they recognized godly character in one another, okay? Someone say godly character. They recognized godly character in one another. See, the very first thing that drew them together was not that that this guy saw a hottie with a body. (laughs) I love that term. It's not that he saw. What, what, this, what this man saw was the godly character. What they saw in each other was godly character. So in verse 3, it says this. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore, the maidens love you. You see, during that time and age, in the Old Testament, baths were often hard to come by. It's just not like they just had baths. So what they would do is they would take this oil that went through a very detailed purification process. It was a purified oil or a perfume, and they would rub this oil and this perfume all over their bodies, okay? So you can only imagine how valuable this oil was. You can only think like, man, this oil that they took time to process and to purify, instead of taking the bath, they would rub this oil all over them. And so what this, what this signifies and what this is saying is, it's this oil that's been purified basically says, your name is a good name. Your name represents godly character. Your name is like purified oil. No wonder all the other girls want you. So what they're saying is, I see, because of the expense, because of the purification, because of the process, because of you've waited, your name is a good name. You have good character. So ladies, let me just speak to you just for a quick minute. The first thing you want to look for in a man is not how good he looks, not how attractive he is, but what is his reputation like? Because so many... People, and I'll, just, I'll just clump us all together, we basically go off of first looks first, but then you quickly find out that they're the wrong person, right? You quickly find out that they're the wrong person that, that you should have pursued or shouldn't have pursued. You have to ask, what is your character like? Not how much money you have, not how good you have, but what's your character like? What is he known by? And ladies, if I can just talk to you just for another thing and just point something out. This is one of the saddest things that throughout all my 26 years of ministry that I've seen is that this girl who is wholesome, who is lovely, who is wonderful, gifted, beyond measure, usually finds the wrong guy, and then that wrong guy then just treats them awful, treats them bad. Everyone else around them can see it except the person that they're dating, We like settle for less than what God has set for us. So if you're single here this morning, I want you to know something. Quit looking at the exterior and begin to judge someone and begin to look for someone by their character and their reputation. We have to look for people with a godly character. So how do you know if someone has godly character? It's probably one of the best pieces of advice that anyone has ever given to me, and I learned this back at Jeannie Mayo's church in Rockford, Illinois. Said, if you're looking for a godly girl, look at their friends, because like attracts likes. If you're looking for a godly man, look at his friends. Who is he surrounded by? If he claims to be some Mr. Spiritual man, and all of his friends are all messed up, all of his close buddies, all are on drugs, or don't have a life, or not really pursuing, pretty certain that that's the way that his life is as well. Maybe not in all cases. Maybe not all the time. But if you look at the person they're surrounding, you can almost guarantee what you're getting yourself into. Right? The Bible puts it like this. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. You hang with who you most who you hang with, you most likely will become. Now I know that this sounds really elementary, but in today's world, in today's culture, friendships are the hardest things to come by. Who would agree with me on that? Having friends, having close friends and those kinds of things are really difficult. So when we have them, we hold them close and we do this. But let me just challenge you for a second. If you've got these friends that are with you, this is very practical preaching. Okay? If you've got these friends that you're with, are they getting you closer to God or are they pulling you away from God? Because you don't want to be surrounded or engaged with someone who is pulling you away from Jesus. Amen. See, when I met Kristen, I knew she had godly character cuz she was not a guy crazy person. As a matter of fact, I was the girl crazy one, believe it or not. I was like, "What's up, girl? Can I have your number?" I just feel God calling me that we're going to get married, I would say. True story. Oh, not you? Can I have your number too? And all the girls would be like, get away from me, creep. See, but Kristen, she had a level head. She wanted to pursue God. And that was one of the things that attracted to me to her the most, was that I knew that she loved God more than she loved ever, anything else. As a matter of fact, while we were dating were we engaged at this time? We might have been engaged. Anyway, dating or engaged, I don't remember. but we actually broke up. We were just dating? Oh. Whew. We were just dating. But we actually came to this tipping point in, 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 our, in our relationship where we both made, or she actually made it for me, but we <laughs> got to understand something. I wear the pants in the family, okay? She just tells me which ones to put on, all right? <laughs> so we made this decision, like we've got to separate because we need to focus on Jesus. And that was something that she did. And I tell you, for somebody we were in love, we were destined to be married together, we wanted to be together for the rest of our lives, we had to make a decision to go like this so we can focus on the one who then made us to be one. So to everyone who's single here today, if you're single here today, why don't you raise your hand real quick? Okay, okay, everyone look around. Okay, you guys, guys, girls, girls, guys, you can, we're having a meetup up afterward. <laughs> Sunday afternoon brunch, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So to everyone single here today, if you're looking for the one, look for the one who loves God more than you do, who will say no to everything else, especially you, to focus on Jesus. And if it's right, God will work out the details to make that connection. I see it happen all the time. A godly woman, a godly guy going after the wrong person. And before you know it, they're engaging and doing in things that they never thought in the world that they would do. All because they want someone to love them. And to care for them. And to be with them. Let me encourage you. Scratch all that stuff. Look for him. Go to Jesus first. Turn to him first. Because everything else follows after that. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the girls will follow you. (laughs) Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) True story. So the very first and most important point of attraction and faithful attraction is we must have godly character. Be that person that you want to be connected to. Be that person. If you want to be wholesome, if you want to love God, if if you want somebody like that, be that, okay? Make the first things first, Jesus. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 12, verse four says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Help us all, Jesus. A wife of noble character, there's that word character, we have to have character. So let's trace this progression here. They meet and the first thing she realizes is his name is like purified gold. You've got purified, you've got purified perfume on you. I know that your name is good. I know that you have good character. I know that you have a great reputation. So because of that, she's going to start opening up about her life. And this is where we go to the Song of Songs of chapter 1 verse 5. It says, "I am black but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem." like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Now, these curtains and tents were dark because their purpose, see, she equates herself to to dark curtains, okay? Now, these curtains and tents were dark because their purpose was to attract the heat of the sun during the day, to retain the heat so at night when it was cool, the people inside would stay warm. Makes sense, doesn't it? So what she's basically saying is, I am dark as these tents. Let me read on and I'll explain to you what this means. Verse 6, do not stare at me because I am swarthy, for the sun has burned me. Someone say, she got sunburn. Yes. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me caretaker of the vineyards, but I have not taken care of my own vineyard. Now, as we progress forward for the rest of these weeks, every time we see the word vineyard, what she's talking about is not the work outside. She's talking about her own body. I haven't taken care of my vineyard, my own body. Right? She said, I had to work out in the sun. I'm sunburned. My skin is not as cared for as I would like it to be. So don't stare at me, she says. I'm a little bit insecure about this. Is what she's saying in these verses. If we could put it in just really simple layman terms, as we read into it, she's saying, I'm really insecure about the way that I look. But the way that I look. You see, during this day and age, people were so brighter than they are now. Now, if you wanna tan, what do you do? What do you do? Well, if you're like most people, you go to the spray tan, don't you? I'll take I'll a take number five. You guys ever seen that Friends episode? And he turns out with like 15 on on one side and he's like completely tan. It's the greatest thing ever, right? One of the greatest episodes ever, right? So it's like, boom, but back then it was like, if you work out in the sun, there's no sunscreen, there's none of that stuff, you're just that way. Now, men, let me talk to you for a minute. Here is something that is difficult for some of us to understand. With your wife, when you meet a girl, if you're dating here, if you're married, she is generally insecure about something, or multiple things about her physical body. Generally speaking, not everybody. Okay. And I'm not going to sit up here and tell you what I know, what, 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 what I think women are like. Trust me. I don't know the mind of a woman of anything. Right. Cause it goes like this. When my wife and I have coffee in the mornings, you know, she works downstairs in the basement for Gunderson and, and when we have coffee in the mornings, so we're sitting there, we're talking, and I know right before she goes downstairs, she's going to rattle off like 15 things to me she's going to want me to know. And literally, I have to turn everything off and try to do my best to focus. Because it's about, And I just go, okay, I think I got it all. And then she goes, did you take out the trash, end of the day? You... Oh, no, I forgot, sorry about that right so i'm not going to sit up here and tell and say that i that that we're, that i'm some expert or that we're some expert on on this kind of thing but generally speaking everyone in here has some kind of insecurity about themselves whether that be physical emotional mental Whatever the case is, we all have some kind of insecurity about ourselves. And one of our roles as men, as we step towards marriage, or in a marriage, or as you're married, is to love your wife through her insecurities. Come on, somebody. Is to love your wife enough, lavishing her with security so she can be vulnerable in her insecurities. Kristen and I got married, my wife, she was perfect. Still is. I won't say anything differently, I promise. But as we grew closer together, she began to quickly realize what my insecurities were and I began to know hers. I remember marriage counseling one couple and they said, we'll never get in arguments. Cause I was, I was in the argument portion of our marriage counseling, you know, premarital counseling. And they said, we'll never get in arguments. And then they said, don't prophesy that over me. I don't want you speaking that over me that we'll never get in arguments. I was like, okay, hope you have fun with that, right? It's so interesting that when you, when at the beginning of it, you think nothing's wrong until you get there, right? And you're together and you start living together and you leave the toilet seat up or she puts the toilet paper in the wrong place, right? You know, like, like I'm an I'm over, I'm an over, I'm not an under, okay? Who's with me? Come on, somebody, right? You're an over person? I'm telling you right now, that's the way the Lord designed it, to be over. We're about to have revival up in here. You never know if there's a spider hiding underneath that toilet paper when you go click like this. They'll jump right at you like that, right? But we all have these insecurities. And if you're married this morning, if you don't know your spouse's insecurities, I'd like to challenge you this morning, suggest to you that maybe you don't know each other as well as you think you know each other. See, Krista knows me. She knows how I tick. She knows what I'm insecure about. She knows what gets me upset and she knows what makes me happy. And protecting each other in your insecurity is a sure way to develop trust so together you can both heal and move from those insecurities towards Christ's securities. God never wants you to stay and and, and live and camp out in those insecurities as part of your your personality. No. No matter who you are, the best thing we can do is understand who Christ is is in us when we come together in a marriage. Remember, he's the one, right? He's the one. And the faster we can find out who we are in Christ, our identity in him, the better it's gonna be for both of you. We have to come from a place of knowing who we are in Christ. Because God doesn't want you to stay In the place of insecurity, he wants you to grow, wants you to mature, wants every single one of us to grow together if you're married, to be together in that, and work together in that, and walk together in that, so that way there's a place of protection, a place of comfort, and a place where there's safety, where you can grow together and be vulnerable with one another. There's nothing worse than a married couple who's not transparent with one another. See, Kristen has helped me and loved me through my insecurities, and vice versa. So together we have grown to not just each other, but it's helped us in the healing process of those insecurities. I am not the same person that I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Why? Because either my wife made me upset and it helped me discover an insecurity that I had. And then we talked it out and we had conversation, right? See, here's the way to deal with those disagreements when you're finding out insecurity. Set yourself aside and begin to be submissive to one another. Some people say, Pastor, how do you and Kristen have such a great relationship? I say, because I'm not out to be right. And she's not out to be right, although she always is. (laughs) And I won't say anything differently, I promise you. Well, maybe that one time. is stop trying to be right and start learning to submit to one another so you can love each other through the process. So the first thing that this couple had was godly character. They sought out godly character. The second thing was they built this godly trust with one another. And then they set out to have godly standards with one another. See, if we want to have relationships that are different than everybody else's, And let me ask you this question. Wouldn't you agree that in today's culture, most marriages we see today are less than God's best? Yeah? Listen to me. I know that it wasn't your fault. That's what everyone wants to believe. But until we can find out something in our hearts and our lives and say, I'm looking myself in the mirror and going, God, will you deal with me first on these certain things? If we want something different than what we see, we have to do something different than what others do. We have to determine that we're going to be different in our marriage. We have to determine that we're going to be different in our pursuit of relationships to the single people in here this morning. You have to, have to determine that I'm going to have godly standards and I will not, I will not go back on the standards that are set before me. There's too much of this junk going on where we're beginning to learn, the church is beginning to learn to tolerate sin and call it okay. I want you to know something this morning. The church can no longer afford just to tolerate sin. Jesus didn't tolerate it, and we're not gonna tolerate it. We can't tolerate sin. No, Jesus picked up the the adulterous woman, put the robe on top of her, gave her as much grace, and then said these words, go and sin no more. He didn't tolerate the sin. He said, you're better than the sin that you just entered in. Now go and don't do this anymore. We gotta have godly standards. Verse seven says this, tell me, We're gonna see the kind of standards that were set here. Verse seven says, tell me, O you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one who veils herself besides the flocks of your companions? Now, what in the world is this Shulamite woman talking about? And this may be shocking to you, but I want you to know that this is very true. The veiled women that she's describing in this portion of scripture, see these veiled women, what they would do is they would often follow around the men and whenever convenient, they would offer themselves to the men in exchange for something. These veiled women would follow around the men and if they wanted something, they would give their bodies to the men in exchange for something. They would offer their bodies. She's basically saying, you know what? Guy that I love, whom I'm pursuing, you know what? I'm not like every other girl that follows you. That they throw themselves at you. But I want you to know that I am not gonna do that. Three snaps in a Z formation. Right? I'm not going to do this, it's just not going to happen. Why? Because I have a different standard than that. She was basically saying, Hey, yo, if you want me, then you got to have some different rules, buckaroo. I'm not going to be the person just following me along. I'm going to be somebody who has godly standards, who doesn't fall back on sin because I want you, who doesn't, who doesn't um, 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 lessen themselves to get something from somebody. No, I'm going to have a godly standard. And if you want that, then you can come to me. If you want that, then you can come to me. So here's my challenge to you. If you're not married and you want to be someday and you want to meet that special somebody, you define, hear me, This is the most elementary thing that I can say, but it's so revelatory because in today's culture, again, we've tolerated sin. To think that it's just okay. That's just how the world is. But we need to bring this back. If we want something different, we gotta do something different to get a different result. If you're single here today and you wanna be married sometime, you define up front, here's what we're gonna do and here's what we're not gonna do. Here's what I'm willing, and here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna cross these lines. So let me give you three quick lines in the sand for every single person here. If you're married, you've crossed these lines, hopefully. If you've dedicated your child, you've definitely crossed these lines. Here's lines in the sand for every single person here I will not sacrifice my relationship with God ever to keep you. Come on, somebody. I will not sacrifice my relationship with God ever just to keep you. Drop it like it's hot, baby. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Sorry, it's my old gangster coming out. You got to drop them like it's hot. Here's another line in the scene. You draw me away from God, I'm not sticking with you. It's just not happening. Here's another one. You expect me to put God on a shelf? Well, guess what? I'm not sticking with you either. You want some godly standards in your life? Don't lower your standards so someone can love you. God's got someone specifically planned just for you. Just for you. And we lower ourselves and we lower our standards. We lower our godly standards just so we can feel some kind of love. I want you to know that that is false. That is fake love. And before you know it, it's going to dry out. But the moment you begin to have standards and you live by those lines and the stand, God will reward those who live by his standards. We have to put it up front and say these things and believe these things. I only want someone who helps bring me closer to God. That's it. Here's another thing. I will not compromise God's standard. I don't care. Hear me out, people. If you're married here this morning, just bear with us. We're going we're to get to you next. I don't care if everybody else in the worldwide, in the whole wide world, is having sex before they get married. I don't care. You have to make a standard in your heart. I don't care if everybody else around in this whole wide world is having premarital sex to try out the shoes before they actually commit to the shoe. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because it goes against the standard in the Word of God. That's why. That's why. The art of saving yourself from marriage has been lost and gone, but I'm here to tell you right now that God is beginning to bring it back to the standard of the young generation following us. It's time. God has a standard that motivates me to spiritual purity. And I'm not going to love my selfish sexual desires more than I love God's standards and more than I love you. You see, because I love God and because I love you, I will obey his standards rather than my selfly desires. And another thing while I'm at it, I'm not going to play house either. I know this may step on some toes. But I love you. If I did not love you, I would not say this to you. We're not going to play house, even though everybody else sleeps in the same bed and spends the night together and has some sleepovers and lives together trying to figure things out. If you want to have a godly commitment with me, you have to say this: We're going to buy a ring. We're going to walk down the aisle together, and we're going to establish a covenant under God. No more playing around. If you want a different kind of marriage, then you have to live a different kind of life. So what's this Shulamite woman, what's she saying? There are certain things that I will not do to keep you, and you want a different result, you better have a different approach. Seeing the Song of Solomon, they practice these godly standards. So let's look at verse nine as we move on, this progression of this man and the Shulamite woman. And this is probably one of the greatest compliments in the whole story. Verse nine, it says, to me, the man speaks, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Now guys, a little word of advice, don't call your wife a horse. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. You sure <laughs> You are nice <laughs> <laughs> I know your teeth they sure look like a full set of horse teeth boy you sure are beautiful <laughs> that's not what they're saying you see in those days they treated these horses almost godlike almost supernatural they said these things were the horses of deity and they believed it right or wrong obviously they were wrong right that these horses had something that was supernatural about them and he says to her you are like this you are godlike you are supernatural to me there's nobody on this side of heaven that is just like you that's what this man is saying to this woman you're like the purest taste of god on this side of heaven you're the you're you are god's greatest gift to me And he starts to speak the blessing into her life. And she starts to blossom into the words that he says. Let me talk to the married people here this morning. And let me be honest and transparent right now with you. Anywhere that I am strong and confident in, I have a wife who feeds that. I have a wife who speaks that. She tells me who I am. She reminds me who I am in Christ. She reminds me that I am called by Jesus to be a father, to be a man of God. She doesn't harp on me. I wish you were like so-and-so. I wish you would just do this more. No, no. She speaks that to my life. You are a man of God. And let me tell you what, Because I have a wife, and I'm bragging on her this morning, but because I have a wife who speaks into my destiny, I rise to the occasion and feel like I am her husband. Amen. You want a better marriage? Learn to speak the destiny over your lives. Learn to speak who Christ is inside of them. She encourages me that I'm a great dad. Even if I make mistakes. She says, you know what, Jake? You're still a good dad, man. I love you because of that. She encourages me and reminds me that I'm a good husband, that I take care of her without complaining. And when I do the dumb things, when I forget to take out the trash, when I forget to put the dishes in the dishwasher or take them out, come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. She goes, well, you're all right. I love you anyway. And we work it out and we talk it out. She reminds me of who I am. There's a lot of things she says to me. She she compliments me in my looks and the way that I look. Because if you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you preach good. (laughs) Preach it. That's right. I used to apply that to my football days. You look good, you feel good. Feel good, you play good. (laughs) Ha ha. She compliments my looks. She helps me understand that even if I make mistakes, I'm still okay. She doesn't get too annoyed by my antics that I have. We laugh together, we cry together. Why? Because she's my wife. Now that we're getting ready to enter into this new phase of our lives of empty nesting, who's who's there? You've been there for a while? Now that we're getting ready to enter this new phase of empty, we'll sit on the couch, and we'll just stare at each other and go, oh, and we'll just start crying for no reason. No reason, like we'll have this like memory of our kids. <laughs> and we'll be, bah. I'm glad going into this new season of our lives that I actually like my wife. If I didn't like her, it would be a tough, tough season. But we get along together, why? Because she understands And I understand that the grass is only greener where you water it. You see, to the married people here this morning, if you're not engaging in that type of conversation in your home, I promise you there's somebody out there who will do that for your spouse. And before you know it, your spouse will then begin to think, the grass must be greener over there. Boy, she's treating me super nice. I get to work and she doesn't, she doesn't yell at me. She thinks my dad jokes are funny, right? And all of a sudden you begin to feel connected to this other person that's not your wife. Sure, you haven't done anything, but emotionally tied is almost the same as being physically tied to somebody. And so I wanna encourage you this morning, if you are married here, and you're struggling, or maybe you're not struggling, maybe your marriage is really great. Despite where you're at in the spectrum of things, begin to speak to your spouse who they are, begin to feed them that, begin to water the lawn right where you're at. Don't go dipping in someone else's well, if you know what I mean. Feed right where you're at. And that's what this man began to tell this Shulamite woman. He said, look, sweetie, everybody else could be following me around. All these veiled women, yeah, I got them. They're following me, but there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. And maybe this morning you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe this morning there's been some friction going on and you've been contemplating in your heart Maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. I want you to know something. That's not God's plan for you. That's not God's will for you. God's plan and God's will for you is to stick it out through thick and thin and begin to water the grass where you're at. So this couple, they recognized godly character in each other. They built godly trust with one another. They had godly standards with one another, and they grew, they grew with godly encouragement with one another. Those are the four things we can take away from this story. Let me read them to you again. They recognized godly character in each other. They built godly trust with each other. They had godly standards with one another, and they grew with godly encouragement towards each other. Let's pray this morning as we close. If you can't just by your hand. close your eyes with me. I'm not going to ask you this morning to raise your hand if you're dealing with a bad marriage or something like that. But I am going to ask you to grab the hand of your loved one if you're sitting next to them. Whether you're dating, maybe you're, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're been married for a long time. Don't worry, I'll get to the single people here in a second. What I want to do is just speak a blessing over you. I just want to speak a blessing over your marriage. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that every single person here, God, who is married, who's planning on getting married, or who's engaged, Father, I just pray that you would minister to their heart, God. You would continue to work in them, God. that, That Lord, if Christ is the center of everything, nothing can go wrong. If Christ is the center, Father, yeah, it may get a little, little, little wavy, maybe a little, little, little rough at times. God, the sea might be rough a little bit, but God, we will make it through this. We'll make it through this stormy time. Why? Because you're the center. You are the wind in our sails, Father. And so in Jesus' name, I pray for every strong and every marriage in this place that you would strengthen it, God, to be an example to this world, to say that there's believers here in Jesus' name that believe in the constitute of marriage in Jesus' name through thick and thin. Father, I just pray you would touch them. Father, for every single person in this house, that God, we will not tolerate sin any longer. We'd have godly standards, we'd walk by them, we'd live by them, we'd move in them, Jesus. God, bring our young people, Father, out of this culture and out of this place where we say it's okay. Bring us out of this, God, so we can have standards, God, that please you. Speak to us, God, as we focus on you, Jesus, as we hone in on you, your eyes, as we lock eyes, with the, with the lover beyond lovers, Jesus Christ, as we lock eyes with you, God, and seek you first, God, you'll bring us the one that we has meant for us and designed for us. God, we love you so much. Well, everybody head about nice clothes. I'm going to ask this one question, and this one I want you to raise your hand to: if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. You've never said, you've never been married to Jesus. And you've never said, God, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Make me brand new. If you've never done that, or maybe you have, but you know lately it's just been kind of off. Lately it's been kind of weird. It just hasn't been the same. And you're like, you know what, God, I need to get back right with you. If that's you, will you just raise your hand and put it right back down if that's you? Just raise your hand. Good, there's one right up here. Anybody else who says, that's me, Pastor? There's another one right there. Anyone that says, that's me, Pastor? Come on, just raise your hand right now. Don't worry. I'm not gonna embarrass you. There's another one right right back over there. Right back over there. Thank you so much, guys. Everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. No one's looking around, except for me and a few prayer partners. That's it. Anybody else here in this house that says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me, man. Pray for me. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, and we're going to close a prayer. And if you, if you stood, if you raise your hand for anything, the ministry team is going to come right now, and we're going to stand in these, at these red banners. I want you to find your way. Get out of your way, okay? Don't leave this room without praying and connecting with somebody. We just want to pray with you, all right? But if you can with me, everyone together, especially if you raise your hand, I'm going to guide you in a prayer. That's all this is, just a guide. But you have to meet it in your heart. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. I'm yours. I commit and I submit everything that I am, good and bad. I'm no longer myself, but I'm yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give those people a round of applause right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.